The following shiur has been delivered by Diane Yosef Greenwald, Diane at the Betavad. For more information or shiurim, please visit vshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742. We're still in post-Purim mode, and some of us might still appreciate the subject of this year, which will be what's in the parasha. Parasha Shmini has an, the episode, the tragic episode of the uh, passing away, the Ptira of Nadav Avihu. And there's a number of reasons given by uh, by the Torah, by the Mufashim, by Chazal, what their sin was. The Torah just tells us that they were Machnis Eish Zaral of Hashem. What exactly was that chet? And one of the uh, aspects of what they did was that they entered the, the the holiest place in the world. They entered the Kodesh HaKadashim in a state of intoxication. And because of that, one of the resultant talachot that's taught by Moshe Rabbeinu, Taron HaKohen, or more properly said, Taron HaKohen straight, is Yayin V'Shecha Al Tesht, you shall not drink anything that's uh, any intoxicating liquid. And then the Pasuk tells us, You cannot rule on any matter of Jewish law in a state of intoxication. So it's very interesting because what the Pasuk is really talking about like we said, it's a reaction to the sin of Nadav Avihu, is in terms of intoxication in in Avodah and Bet HaMikdash. And now we understand, entering the, uh, the, 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 the place where the most intense level of closeness Takadosh Baruch Hu is felt, to go in in a state of lightheadedness, to go in in a state of intoxication, is out of place. Where does the Torah take this? The Torah takes this to a place of not ruling on any matter of, of Jewish law. So what are we going to say? We're going to say that in the simple understanding, when a person is in a state of intoxication, the same way your judgment is impaired. If you have a minimal amount of alcohol in your blood system, so you're not going to be able to walk a straight line, your ability to slam on the brakes when somebody cuts in front of you is, of course, impaired. We know that dra- driving while intoxicated, you don't have to be dead drunk. Even if you're a little bit impaired, that creates a lot of danger on the road. A little bit of impairment in judgment in Jewish law could make you make a mistake. So there's an Isur to rule on Jewish law. We understand that. What's interesting is, is that, I mean, there's several, uh, poskim that echo the same theme. It's not as simple as saying a blanket Isur on any ruling on Jewish law. Let's open up a Levush, one of the pl- classic Poskim, one of the earliest poskim on the Seder of the Shulchan Aruch, in the beginning of Choshem Mishpat, which is talking about the rules of how Dayanim are supposed to weigh in and paskin on a matter of arbitration between two parties, financial halakha. And he says like this, Yeshomrim, Tishatu Yayin, one who's intoxicated even slightly, Mutar ladun dine mamanot is allowed to rule on matters of financial law. Is allowed to sit as a dayan. Shelo asra Torah shatu yain elahoraot isu veheter only on 
only on rendering a ruling on matters of Isur Veheter, which would include uh Hilchot Nida, uh Kashrut in the kitchen, uh rendering a ruling on the uh, Kashrut of an Eruv or any other Shabbat related issue. That type of thing, which is Isur Veheter as opposed to Dinay Mamanot, that's Asur. And he he says that this is Miduyak in the Psuk himself. Tikhsiv the Pasuk tells us, Lohorot et Bnei Yisrael Tachukim, the Pasuk that we just read, to teach the children of Israel, et Chukim. Chukim refers to laws of Yoradeya. Ve'ilu Mishpatim, which is the general term used by the Torah of Dinei Mamanot, Loktiv. Doesn't say. Now, this is actually sourced in a Sugyan Sanhedrin, Daf Membet, with the, the pasuk that's quoted over there about, uh, rendering rulings as a judge, as a dayan, in a state of intoxication, is another pasuk, a pasuk actually in Mishneh. the Gemara understands that means roznim, those that render rulings, interpretations on matter of raz. Raz is the colloquial term for Sodota Torah, for Kabbalah. And over here it's used in terms of bringing out that which is hidden. You need an expert judge to render a ruling in a case of Dinei Nefashot. Only super qualified Dayanim were able to sit in the times of the Beit HaMikdash on case of Dinei Nefashot. You're talking about Chamurot Shabachamurot. And the Tosvot says over there, Demashma dafka hauskim b'dinei nefashot. Avlinyan dinei mamanot eno nefsal. That's the rendering that we just read of the Levush, of the Ramah, the way it's brought in Simon uh, Gimel. So what we have over here is something interesting. It would seem clear that the issue at hand is not a function of your judgment is impaired as a Dayan. Your judgment is impaired if you're, if you drank the smallest amount of wine. First of all, if a travesty is created by uh, rendering a ruling which is not lahalacha, and every Rav and every Dayan constantly prays that every ruling of his should be blessed with Siyata Dishmaya. Rubavadya, who is able to weigh in on the most difficult rulings, write Shuvot to the thousands, but he still prayed every time he had to render a, a ruling. That's the rendering a ruling that's consistent with the halakha is a, a matter that needs siyata dishmaya. We're not dealing over here with a function of misjudgment because if that would be true, there would be no mokoim to, to divide different areas of halakha. So what we're dealing over here is obviously some type of symbolic idea that one who drinks is not in an emotional state to be able to, to be able to represent properly. I would, I would even add to that. The amount of wine that one has to drink in order to render, render one not able to rule has absolutely nothing to do with intoxication or blood level or uh, alcohol level in the blood. If one drinks a rivi'it yayin, he is a sore to do the abadan the Beit HaMikdash. Obviously, we don't have that halakha uh, in today's times, except for drinking something intoxicating of a kohen going up to, uh, to, to Bechat Kohanim. 
That's the only place where we have that bismanada. Symbolically, we add on that as a, that's the only chilek of avodah that we still have in our, uh, in our lives. So that also we don't. And by the Ashkenazim, we are the Kohanim only, uh, say the Bechat Kohanim blessing only on Chagim, on Simchat Torah, where wine is drunk usually by the Hakafot, because it's uh, in the middle of, uh, the middle of the services, middle of prayers. So over there, the, uh, the Ashkenazim say Bechat Kohanim by Shacharit as opposed to Musaf. So obviously we have to explain for ourselves what is the fundamental difference between rulings on monetary issues as opposed to rulings of Yisur Veheter. Why there would be some type of difference in this uh, prohibition of ruling. We'll just say over an interesting story that's well known in Yerushalayim that the uh, the Ashkenazi Rav of Yerushalayim in the late 1800s was actually the Rav for... Uh, close to 60 years, 70 years maybe even, Reb Shmuel Salant was considered the one of the Gdole Hador, would rush in a fr- at a frenzied pace through his uh, seder, through Leo Pesach, and he would finish off the seder literally by 9 o'clock at night, and then lie down for 15 minutes, and then wake up, and be osek b'sipuy tziat mitzrayim. We would talk about the Haggadah for hours and hours the whole night after we finished the seder, which normally we would keep magid going as long as possible, and we would do the mitzvot with a with a tremendous amount of devotion. And he explained to his family members that since he's the rav, and all the rabbanim that are local are. For sure drank a revit of wine, because after the first course, everybody had some wine. Nobody is qualified to render on matters of uh, halakha. There's going to be somebody that's going to find some type of problem in the matzot, in the food, in the kitchen, on Pesach. Somebody has to be qualified in the whole of Yerushalayim. can't be that there's no Rav who's qualified to render a ruling on matters of Yisur Hatter. He gave away, literally, his Pesach seder, in order to be there for his flock. You see the devotion of a Rav for his, uh, for his Keilah. So he gave away his whole Pesach Seder, and then he was Osek B'mitzvah Tzipuy Yitziat Mitzrayim, out of the context of Matzah, uh, Yayin, Halal, and so on and so forth. It's a tremendous story if you think about it. In any case, um, before we understand what the difference is between ruling on a matter of arbitration, uh, as opposed to Yisuvahetu, let's first take a minute to understand, so then what is the function of that ruling? If it's not a matter of poor judgment, if it's a matter of poor judgment, like we said, there wouldn't be a difference in different areas in Halakha. What, what's very telling is the fact that the Rambam brings the Halakha of not ruling on matters of law in a state of slight intoxication, he brings these halachot in the halachot the, of biat mikdash, the isur of going into the bet mikdash, one who's not allowed to be there, the isur of a tameh walking in of a balmum doing the avodah and so on and so forth. He brings also the halachot of one who drank, and he discusses over there all the halachot the way it is in the Gemara. What happens if he drank only a slight amount of beer? What happens if it was mixed together with something else? All the different variations of what's uh, what goes into this halacha. Why does he bring this in Hilchot Talmud Torah? And the answer is very obviously. This is not a halakha. This halakha is not a function 
of misjudgment in terms of Torah law. Is there any Isur, for example, on a Rav saying a uh, tremendous pilpul, saying a Shi'ur on a suga in the middle of a Purim Suda? The, the, the legends are full stories of Gdolei Yisrael that in a state of intoxication, with what did they express their joy uh, in the Chag of Purim? By learning more Torah. So what do they do? If you'd walk into a Purim, a Purim Suda by any one of the big Rabbanim, what would they do? They would spout tremendous, uh, long, intricate, beautiful Divrei Torah on all levels and all areas of Torah. Is there any Yisur? That's for sure that the atmosphere of drinking does do something to a person's thought process. And that, we say no. And G'dolei Yisrael, even some G'dolei Yisrael would encourage this type of uh, saying, what we call in the yeshivot, shtikluch Torah. They would encourage uh, saying divrei Torah, saying shiurim in a state of intoxication. As a kiyum of the pasuk, we say in Shia Shirim, Ki tovim alecha dodecha miyayin. The love that Klai Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu feel for each other is greater than the love of intoxication. Miyayin. What does that mean to tell us? It means to tell us that the metaphor for that relationship, Klai Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu have a mishichat to each other that's intoxicating. So to express that tremendous devotion that comes out in Chag Purim, we, we would say another, another intricate shiur. There's no problem over there being shatuya. And this is halakha, is not a halakha in Talmud Torah. Why is that? We'll explain what the Maral explains. Talmud Torah is primarily a function of ahava. Is primarily the hishtabchut nefesh of the Jewish soul yearning to get close to Hashem is expressed primarily in wanting to delve into the mind, so to speak, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's in Torah. Every area of Torah is Ratzon Hashem. It's Hashem in a tangible sense. And when one learns Torah in a state of joy, in a state of intoxication, he's coming closer to Hashem. There's nothing wrong with that. There's one area in Halakha, however, which really represents the Midah of Yirah. A certain humility, frightened, being frightened even, a state of submissiveness. That midah, that chelik of Torah is rendering practical decisions in halakha. When one is rendering practical decisions in halakha, there's a certain being in place. There's a certain, the mind has to focus exactly on what it's, it's being focused. That has to be the same way when a Kohen walks in the Bet HaMikdash, he can't conduct himself in a state of ahava. Even though primarily coming close to Hakadosh Baruch Hu is a function of Ava, but when we say in the Tefilot, we say Visham Naavadcha BiYirah Kime Olam Uchshanim Kadmoniot. We want to serve Hashem in a state of Yirah, in a state of submission. Intoxication. It's not a function of impure judgment. It's a function of an emotional state. Wine is defined by the pasuk as Yain Yisamach Levav Enosh. Every bit of wine creates a heightened state of simcha. And so it should be. Wine is not supposed to drown a person's sorrows. It's supposed to create a simcha tachayim, if it's used properly. What that means is, is that wine is the opposite of midat That's out of place in the arena called yira. 
the chet of Nadav Avihu, the way it's expressed in this week's parasha, was some type of overemphasis on the midah of Ahava, as opposed to submissiveness. This that Chazal tell us that they were, they, they, uh, they rendered a ruling in front of Moshe Rabbeinu was also a function of their eagerness to serve, to be close to Akadosh Baruch Hu. It wasn't a function of, uh, chutzpah. It was a function of Ahava, without the proper dose of Yira. Again, on their level, of course. This has nothing to do with us. However, what we see over here is, is that this is specifically an emotional state that has to be engendered in the arena, in the context of, of rendering a ruling on a practical level. That's the only halakha that has this, uh, this caveat that uh, you can't rule in a state even of slight intoxication. Now let's clarify the last point that we brought up, which is, why would there be a difference between a practical ruling in Isur Veheter as opposed to uh, financial rulings between two people? The story that I like to use to illustrate this point, I've used this in other shiurim, is a story that took place, the great Rav of Brisk, the Bet HaLevi, the father of... Reb Chaim Brisker, Reb Chaim Salavechik, the father of the modern yeshiva method of learning. And the Bet HaLevi was learning with his son. I think at that point he was the Rav in the town of Slutsk, which is a city in White Russia. And they're learning. And a butcher comes in with on a wheelbarrow, with a wheelbarrow. On it is a lungs, a, a tremendous hunk of lungs of a cow. Now just to give a little bit of background. In those days, most people, generally in Eastern Europe, were quite poor. At best, if they were doing okay, they ha- they were able to, uh, to, to bring a chicken to the shochet, to shecht, in order to have some meat, lechvot shabbat. Meat, proper meat, from a cow, that was beyond anybody but the richest of the richest uh, capabilities. Before the Chagim, the butcher would buy a cow. It was a major financial undertaking. He would borrow money and he would cover himself by selling small portions to everybody in order to have for Lechvod uh, Simchat Chag. And uh, he would pay back his debts on buying the cow. But th- this was a major, this was two months, three months of uh, of profit. A problem of trefa that would render the animal a sort to eat was a major, major financial loss for a butcher and the Dayanim, if faced with such question, would spend hours and hours, there are famous stories, of packing uh, lungs of an animal with ice in order to ship to a neighboring town where the Rav had more expertise. Maybe he would find a way out of a problem. So on, there's a lot of such stories and a lot of chuvot written in the classic responses form. And the butcher comes in, and it was a real problem. The Dayanim didn't have what to do, the Dayanim in the Beidin, the Betalevi poked, probed, prodded, took it apart. He says, I'm sorry, it's terrifying, it felt terrible. Butcher says, Rabbi, Parnasa is Nigzarf Minashamayim. It is what it is. He took it like a man. Reb Chaim, as a young boy, was impressed by the butcher's uh, Bitachon, Emuna. 
postscript. Two weeks later, three weeks later, the same butcher comes into the Beit Din with a, uh, regarding a disagreement with a, a neighboring storekeeper. It was over a few petty dollars, 20, 30, 40 dollars. And uh, the Beit HaLevi finds not like the butcher. It was his unlucky month. Finds not like the butcher. The butcher said, what? He starts screaming, starts carrying on. Chaim heard the story. He turns to his father. He was a young boy at the time. And he says, uh, Father, Tate, explain to me. <laughs> Three weeks ago, he took a major financial loss and he took it stoically like a man. No problem. All is good. Now, all of a sudden, he blows a stack on, on, on $30? Basil Levy pats his son on the head and he says, Ah, you don't understand yet. When you get older, you'll, you'll understand. Three weeks ago, I rendered a ruling on the lungs of the cow, not on him. And since I paskined a she'ela on the lungs of the cow, he had a financial loss, but it wasn't a psak on him. He wasn't wrong. Here I paskined ploni atachayav, your chayav. I paskined on him that he's chayav. Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. This is true, by the way, about your spouse, about your kids, about your co-workers, especially about your boss. It's true. It's human nature. So the Beis HaLevi was teaching his young son a lesson into human psychology. But beyond the lesson in human psychology, there's also a definition over here. Psak of Yisur Veheter is a definitive psak because it defines something as halachically permitted asur. If I take a certain type of utensil and I decide that it needs tefillat kelim, I fixed it, I defined it halachically. If I take a piece of meat and I say that it's kosher or not or which bracha you have to make on it, I've rendered a definitive psak on something. When I decide a financial as a dayan, a financial case between two parties, two parties the ruling is a subjective type of ruling because no two stories are the same. Uh, no two scenarios between two people are exactly the same. What I'm really doing is I'm deciding between the two of them who's right and who's wrong, who has a responsibility, who doesn't have a responsibility. But it's less of a psak in a fixed, definitive way on something. I'm not creating a halachic uh, a halachic reality which is a, a fixed I'm not bringing halachic reality into a fixed place sounds almost like semantics but that, that seems to be the definition Dinei Mamon is not considered as creating halachic uh, reality it's deciding subjectively it's not an objective reality it's a subjective decision subjective uh, judgment about two people in the story that we just quoted, the Dine Mamon was worse. But in the story that, w- that what we're talking about, as far as somebody who's intoxicated, it would seem that the severity and the Koved Rosh and the Matzav of Yiro that is necessary to render a ruling is only when it's an objective halachic mitziut that the Rav, that the Posek is creating where it's a subjective ruling between two people that doesn't have the same... Now, if somebody would be truly intoxicated to the point where he can't think straight, then of course he can't pass it. It doesn't make a difference what we're talking about. You're not fit to uh, to be able to, to, to use clear-minded judgment. We're talking over here where somebody drank, a minimally drank a cup of wine, he just made Kiddush, and still he cannot pass in a Shela. 
because he cannot create a halachic reality, the same way he can't bring a korban. He can't sprinkle the blood of a korban on the mizbeach because he's creating a reality that this animal is now a korban. Both of those things need a certain modicum of uh, yirat, uh, yirat romemut, koved rosh, and so on and so forth. That's the lesson. It's just an interesting uh, explanation and exploration of what we have in this week's passion. This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halakha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of halakha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halakhic consultation, monetary beddin services, to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halakha Journal, or for all other information, please call one 200 T-S-H-C or email info at the S-H-C dot org to subscribe.